Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. I'm just going to give a little foreword here before uh, we get into the meat of this podcast. So this podcast is something I've kind of been thinking about doing for a while. Um, it's going to basically talk about um, kind of all things duck calling without getting into the actual physical instruction of how to properly make the sounds on a duck call. There's a ton of YouTube instructionals and CDs and cassettes and well, not cassettes anymore, but whatever else a guy wants to find. There's all sorts of things like that available in the world that people can listen to and telling you how to uh, make the sounds on a duck call. So we're not going to bother with that. But since all three of us are, I mean, we love to blow duck calls and call it ducks, we kind of wanted just to talk about um well my my initial goal I guess I would say was to try to demystify duck calling for a beginning duck caller or someone who hasn't duck hunted much or someone who maybe just doesn't put a lot of stock in duck calling um I talk about this a little bit more in the podcast but main goal was to help someone that's sitting in a duck slough for their first time and they got a duck collar on their neck or in their hand and they're thinking what in the hell am I supposed to do with these ducks flying at me flying past me flying over me it feels like it's too everything was too calculated that you hear in a lot of um, instruction at least when I was starting off and younger I felt like if I made the wrong sound or the wrong note you know, the birds were just going to be gone and there was no way to fix it. And that was that. Um, I feel like I've kind of learned that's not necessarily the case. I mean, there's obviously important things to do at certain times and, and experience will tell you that. And what, and my, my goal for this episode was to make it easy and clear cut, but man, the more we got into it, the more it just, dug itself deeper and there's so many aspects that we kept kind of uncovering and realizing that make calling way more involved way more in depth and way more um, reliant on experience to do it truly successfully than I initially gave her credit for I mean something when you've done it a lot you know, you take it for granted, all the little things that go into it. Um, you know, just like if someone was doing glass blowing, you know, they whip up to the furnace and stick a hunk of glass in there and have that thing spun out like nobody's business. And if they just told me, oh, yeah, it's easy. I've done it for 30 years. No problem. Well, every little piece of it would blow my mind. I'd ask why and why and what about this and what about this and what that situation and what if this happens and what if that happens. Um, and there's all those kind of things that happen in a duck boat or a pit or the woods or whatever. And so we just kind of kept coming up with that. And I think it was ended up being kind of a fun combination of advice for beginners trying to keep it on a base level, but also we did throw in um, all the little bits of information, you know, that not everything. I mean, we could have made this podcast way longer if we wanted to. 
Um, but through in a lot of things that I would say would be, you know, advanced thing, things that you've learned over years of doing it. And that's kind of fun. And it was interesting. I, as we were going, I just kind of kept thinking in my head as others were talking that like, this is not going the way I thought it was going to go. I still like it. Um, but it's not the way that we kind of like I had in my head. We don't make a real plan. We maybe spend a couple minutes talking about the general idea, but um, didn't really pl- pan out how I thought it would. But I think it works. Um, so if you're an, a new duck caller, there's probably some valuable information or goose calling. I mean, we do talk about goose calling. Um, I would say they're similar enough into how you approach them at a base level. Um, that we kind of tried to cover both. And we do break off a little bit into goose calling as well, too. So we got a little bit of both, something for both both sides of life there. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, it would be kind of interesting. You know, if you're an advanced duck hunter and duck caller, I mean, you probably know all this stuff. So we're preaching to the choir. And there's probably things you might disagree with or agree with, but um, we're not trying to say anyone's wrong or right. Basically just saying these are the things that we've experienced Um and that we have found to work or not work in certain situations or, or be important or not important in certain, certain situations. So um, I think we'll get going here. I do want to just make a note that I'm not sure what happened to about the first 30 seconds of the episode, like my introduction and all that, weren't in there. They're missing, so never to be seen again, evidently, or heard again. So um, I'll say welcome, and we will... Uh, let you guys get rolling and listen to the rest of it. Thank you all. some awesome weather today i've tried to spend as much time as i could give myself as many excuses as i could to be outside this morning so an afternoon <clears throat> had to yeah. take a bunch of breaks to shoot my bow and little things like that to give myself a few bits of fresh air yeah i actually said last night i'm cold yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna go get a sweatshirt it was chilly out this morning i went to shoot my bow this morning and i woke up and I had a sweatshirt on when I was doing that. It was awesome. So yeah, we're not to that point yet, but (laughs) yeah, we're not in sweatshirt weather yet. But no, we are supposed to have a couple days. Yeah, we're supposed to have a couple days in the high seventies. I looked yesterday. I looked on our ten day. Man, I didn't see. Mm -hmm. I don't think I saw. Maybe only like two days over eighty, which is unbelievable for the first week of August. My birthday is in August, first part of August, and always around my birthday it's just nasty ass weather usually and man if we get this kind of stuff right that's oh, awesome I'll oh, it, take keeps, it. It's, it does so many awesome things it's 
I mean, that's not good for corn and that kind of stuff, but man, we've had a, a really good production year besides a little bit of lack of rain. But man, other than that, it's like really good. It keeps all the sloughs from drying up quite so quick. Uh, there's just, and everybody wants to do stuff. And yeah, I don't know. Yep, it's you, good. What, you, you guys were probably swamped, I'm sure, this weekend with this weather. Oh, us at the pizza farm? Yeah. Yeah, we had a huge we had a huge weekend. Thursday was big and it was kind of hot then yet, but as the weekend came in it it cooled off and we had a wedding. And then on Sunday, yeah, we killed it. We had one of our best days we ever had. That's cool. You probably haven't you probably been swamped with that stuff, so haven't done any hunting stuff yet. Have you been out to look at the blind yet at the at our secret spot? Mm-hmm. I just was today, actually. Oh, really? Uh, met with the landowners. Well, not met with them for the first time, but sat down with them and talked and yeah. and uh, um, went and looked at it. It looks good. Everything's growing in pretty well around it. It's going to need some work, obviously, right before yeah. the season. But yeah. um, I thought I was going to have to do a lot of weed whipping and stuff like that. And it, and it actually is not growing up inside the blind. So that's pretty oh, good. Cool. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I'm still going to plan on coming out there those first few days. So yeah, that'll be fun. Heck yeah. That'll be fun. Wait, we need to record a podcast then from the blind again. Yep. And whatnot from there. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. So is this blind? My- is this blind? Is it just like in a, what's the story with it? It's, uh, I mean, I hate to say too much, but it's, yeah, it's uh, a, well, I, really, not it's a traditionally <laughs> hunted spot in his area, but but not really necessarily well known. Yeah, uh, but it's really good. Yeah, yeah, the blind. It's a. a I mean, you, I guess you could call it like an A-frame or a willow or a panel blind, right? But it's yeah. it's made out of hog panels and fence posts. Yeah, and then I've just let you know the summer grow into it, and and it'll need a little love. But it's it's um, I don't know. I guess you could call it edge hunting. It's like where a fence line protrudes out into the field. Yeah, a ditch. There's a ditch that runs yep. through the field. Yeah, it's yeah better, yeah, than, better yeah. than a fence line. Yeah, because it's, yep. it it blends in with the field. It's it's a slick little setup, and man, they had no clue that all. Yeah, that that's there. the beauty to it. As far as hiding goes, it's yeah, it's as good as you can be hidden in a field without a pit. I would and, say, and kind of talking about like our waterfall purity stuff. That's why I love this spot so much because hiding is. Like done, you're good. Hiding is the last thing on your mind because when you're in the blind, you're 100 percent hidden. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, stuff. the blind doesn't stick out like it blends, and they don't have. It sounds dumb, but they're coming into an edge, but they're not really coming into an edge like they would be like a like a true fence line or like yeah. a tree line or something. It's there's a few of these ditches in the field, and it's blends awesome. It's a it's a neat mm-hmm. spot. I dig it. So I'm kind of looking forward yeah. to. To get in there and hunting that first little bit of September and hopefully get a north wind or two and shoot some some migrators in there. So Yeah, and just like I say, I just got in from being out there too and oh just I don't know. I was smiling ear to ear because I'm on the four wheeler, it's kinda cold, you know, as far as driving the four wheeler goes, you know. And it's just Yeah. Yeah, it's getting to be that time, it's starting to put the feel in the air. Yeah, mm-hmm. I put a post on Instagram today, it's like you know, it's, it seems like 2020 has, like, been the longest year ever. But, but, man, when I sit and think about it, it's like, how in the world is it already the 1st of August? Mm-hmm. You know? I yeah, mean, man, I'm sitting here. I mean, I'm now I'm now five weeks out from going elk hunting. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I got to get my shit together 
not just my gear, but shooting yeah. and my fitness and everything and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, man, that's, I mean, five weeks goes super fast. So real fast if you procrastinate at all. Yeah. Like you can't at this point. So yeah. But I mean, yep. she does season will be here before too long. And then, you know, we'll usually start yeah. seeing some teal. We'll usually start seeing some blue wings push through here in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, with this cool weather, you like it's cool weather. That's we one of the cool things. Them, I, I see them even earlier. I don't know how much people know about the teal migration. Um, I think up north here, the teal migration is really taken for granted, other than the fact that they leave early. But like people don't know how quick they move because since we have teal here all year, people don't really notice when maybe some teal come in or a few leave, and they kind of you know it evens out that first little bit until we mm-hmm. get. A little more of a cold snap but like man like i mean it's if you watch reports from places in like missouri and kansas and that kind of stuff i mean this they're seeing significant numbers of teal showing up on some of those really big marshes in in the middle to end of august consistently yeah i thought i saw a post of someone talking about that like recently a day or two ago yeah there's been a few it'll i mean it's such a cool thing like to think that there's a duck migration happening when it's, you know, because the temps get down into the fifties, like it's kind of, I think that's kind of yeah. that, that I mean, happens. Just calendar birds. And what's kind of intriguing about the blue wings is, you know, they're usually some of the last to arrive back on the, the, you know, well, the they're for ground, sure the last, you know, to, so, you know, <laughs> so that's, you know, they've probably been up there since May, you know, the middle of May, then, you know, come first part of August. I mean, they're already ready to head back south. Yeah. I mean, I was, um, when I was taking photos this spring, it was the beginning of May. Um, I was kind of planning on wrapping up being done in the first part of May, but the blue wings just showed up to the spot that I had. Like they were so thick mm-hmm. and it was a super neat spot. I think I talked about it earlier. Um, and, but they were so thick in there and they were around until, man, I think I quit like the 27th. Of May, March, April. No, God, I can't even think of when it was. Yeah, it was into May that I was taking photos yet. And so, yeah, then they're only here for a few months, and those babies are up and gone, and then the weather kicks in, and phew, there they are, halfway down the down the country already. So that's pretty cool. And then, and, and we talked a little bit, Ryan, about um, the post that that uh, one guy put up. When you look at the migration that a bluing does, it's freaking wild. I mean, they come from, you know, say they come from Canada and they buzz down through Florida and they hop across to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And the majority of them end up not in, they don't stay in southern U.S. They end up down in southern South America. Yeah, like so um, I like say this, I'm looking at the picture now, the, the guy on Instagram to follow, is, his name is... Paul Link, he goes by Plink underscore the underscore Bander, and I'm telling you, it's something interesting. You know, like you know, this bird, you know, they captured it in Louisiana and it went to um, North Dakota. Did that it, bird, I looked at that yeah. bird and it 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 stopped right by me. Yep, there was a, I think there's a dot right by me. <clears throat> yep, and on its um and on its southern on its migration, it, it, it it's weird. It's like the thing went to southern Wisconsin through Chicago. But one thing I think is neat is 
if if you look at it, it um, when it left Chicago, it's like it, it it followed the Wabash River down into the um, the Ohio River. Then once it got to the Ohio River, it you know just you know here where I'm at, just east where I'm at, Kentucky Lake. It's like it it um, it followed Kentucky Lake, which is the Tennessee River, all the way down through Alabama and um, through the Panhandle of Florida. You know, then you know, ended up in I think like Ecuador or, or somewhere like that. And yeah, that sounds right. Ecuador sounds right. Yeah, Ecuador. Right. Like, it's that's a long flight mm-hmm. for a little yeah. bird, teeny little bird. So I don't know. I remember I don't know. that that same one. What I thought was cool was that that bird stopped like two or three times when it was crossing the ocean, and just stopped smack in the middle of the ocean for like I think a six hour period each time. Yeah, and then just crazy. took off again. Pretty wild. Yeah. It'd be cool just to see. I mean, you know, there's dudes that fish out in that stuff, and like all of a sudden you're buzzing across in some you know <laughs> tuna boat, and you kick up a little bunch of you know six blue teal, teal. Yeah. yeah, six blue and teal. Like, what in the same hell is going on? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Exactly. Neat, well, like I mean, little scenario makes you wonder though. It's like if I mean, was that bird right then? You know, more than likely he wasn't traveling by himself. You know, so that had to be yeah a, for sure. I'm sure he had a little group with him. Yeah, sure he had a little group with him. I mean, they went to Cuba and stopped off and got some cigars. It looks like yeah, and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I just think it's pretty neat, like how if you if you look at it, like you know, just the highways that these things follow. I mean, it it completely followed the Wabash River down till it got to the Ohio, then then followed the Ohio River to, to the Tennessee River and took the Tennessee River like. I don't know. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Here's a slick deal. I, that like, so, you know, as much as we ragged on banding or the obsession with bands and having them, but that part of banding and, and that's GPS tracking. So that's, I mean, it's a different yeah. deal. Well, yeah. But regardless, that's freaking cool. And I think yeah. that is like some of the most interesting stuff right there. Oh to, yeah. The biology part of banding, I yeah. think is absolutely awesome. You yeah. know, and the cool part, I, I, you know, I meet up with this. I, I just love this, you know, the, you know, learning the history and, and the activity of the bands. But if you'll notice, like this bird, it didn't stay, but a couple, like maybe a mile away from its its exact path on its way back that it took on the way up or on the way down. Man, how crazy is that? I mean, coming thousands yeah, I mean, of miles. And yeah, it's like how do you using like, the same the same landmarks? Yeah, it's like how do you know? I mean, it's not like they got a Garmin on their. <laughs> no, in, in their brain. So, no, that's neat. That it's so, and that's happened for thousands and thousands of years. It was cool. So, did you yeah. guys see the recent story on Netflix about these birds over in Pennsylvania that they think can predict hurricanes? No, no, man. I'm I'm talking loose now. I kind of wish I could do some research. Maybe save it for another episode. But I'll give you the quick short gist. What's it is, called? Uh, Oh man, isn't that horrible? I watched it this morning and now I can't remember the name of the bird. It's like a smaller brown songbird. Um mm-hmm. Pennsylvania travel migrates to um Brazil. Uh, I don't remember exactly where in Brazil, it's a giant country, but in the rainforest yeah. of Brazil in the wintertime. And um they're starting the uh, different biologists were doing some work on it and They've noticed that the birds leave 
I think again, man, I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but to my understanding, they leave like the Pennsylvania area. And if they leave in like July, that means it's going to be a bad hurricane season that fall. But if they stay till August or later, then it's a mild hurricane season. And they're starting to get numbers that are proving this. Huh? Not wild that they would even have any sense of what's going on. I hope that's true. That would make me so proud if this tiny little bird with the brain, you know, the size of a peanut, like mm-hmm. is way above our meteorologist, you know? Yeah. Well, that itself wouldn't be surprising, I guess, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool that they can, that they even have an, any inkling. I mean, when you think about like the things that affect animals, it's just wild. I mean, how does a, a fish, how does it feel barometric pressure, a change of, you know, like mm-hmm. a teeny tiny percent, and yet it can completely shut them down for two days in fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that exactly. kind of stuff. I mean, the things that they notice that we don't are awesome. So. That's where I hope we can get more <laughs> of the uh, symmetry between science and nature, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it, it just keeps improving. I mean, we learn more and more all the time, so mm-hmm. dig it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, so... Back to what we've been doing. I haven't done much. I this weekend when it was cool like this, I finally took some time and I have like a my regular garage. I keep most of my hunting stuff in. I've kind of got a secondary shed that has got a bunch of my other decoys in it, and it had been kind of a disaster. So I took and cleaned that out, and I sold a bunch of decoys, a bunch of goose floaters that I don't use anymore, and sold those and got to talk to some dudes that I met that bought them, some younger kids, and that was kind of fun and got us talking about duck hunting for an hour with them and that of course was cool and then just a couple days ago um i had a flock of like we were sitting eating dinner and we had our kitchen windows open and we had like all of a sudden my head kind of peaked up i'm like what the heck and i heard a flock of geese coming and i watched like two little bunches of like 20 geese land right in our backyard was a pasture just across our side of our fence like our five acres and it was a big pasture out there and like 40 candidates were landed right off the edge. And then they were, I didn't, I thought, oh, it's a one-time deal because we never have geese there, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then the next night, sure enough, there was like a flock flew by. And then I think last night, there was like six of them sitting out there. So I, this morning when I woke up, after I was done shooting my bow, I grabbed five full bodies and threw them out on my side of the fence, kind of just out in the middle. And they might be sitting out there now if there's any birds flying around or there might be some geese out there. I can't hear here in the garage but so that kind of got me in the mode and i went and looked for my goose calls and i got them sitting here and kind of got us got me thinking about what we could do on this episode and mm-hmm. you know after i was thinking sitting there for a few minutes having the i don't have coffee so i have tea i almost feel funny Do, should i feel like i feel silly saying that i have tea does it sound like kind of like sissy kind of thing i Whatever floats your boat. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not a coffee drinker either. So I hate saying that I drink tea because I, mean, I feel like it makes me look silly. But whatever. I was having some warm hot tea this morning, and and I was sitting there and had my call, and thinking like, you know, like I feel pretty comfortable with my calling abilities and knowledge and history and whatnot. And I was thinking like, but man, like what was it like when you just started? duck hunting or maybe for some people even before you hunted and you had a duck call but you didn't really know what to do with it. like how like how overwhelming that whole thing was 
<laughs> like for me, it was, I just feel like you would listen to these instructional tapes and you would just be like, you know, they're telling you, you need to learn this and you need to learn this and you need to learn this thing. And you got to do this at this time. And like, oh, like it was just too much. And it felt like it was this big like, like process you had to analyze and like it was really complicated. But now I feel yeah. like once I look back and I think about it, and granted, you know, I've got 35 years of experience doing it, but it seems to me now it's like simple. Like it, when you, once you've kind of got it, like there's nothing to it. It's just, it's like such a process and habit. And this happens and you do this, this happens, you do this. And yeah. that's the best you can do. And there's, you know, you can maybe screw it up, but there's, it's not as technical as maybe I felt like it, it was made to, I presented as. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, I don't know, us fellow hunters, not all of us, but some of us try to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, nitpick it and make it seem like it's more of a process than it really is. Yeah, like it's just like, it's kind of conflated as to really how, I don't want to say how important it is because I do think it's super important, but how, yeah, like how just the difficulty level of it is. I mean, I think if you went to people, someone beginning and said, okay, the hardest part you're going to have about calling ducks is learning to physically make the sounds on the duck call. The actual that, sounds that you make to the ducks, yeah, you have to learn that, but there's really not that much to it. There's not, and more importantly, the biggest thing is is when you do learn how to do it is is knowing when to do it, and more important than that is when not to do it. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, when, when not. You know, and so like, so anyways, that's kind of like the, the theme of what we're just going to talk about here tonight. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of all things, um, duck and goose calling together, together and separate. Cause they're a little different. Um, but I think the, the thing we kind of want to do is let like approach it from someone who maybe hasn't called at ducks or geese a lot, or maybe someone who doesn't or doesn't feel comfortable whatever. And we're just going to take, since, I mean, I know all three of us, I mean, absolutely love to, we've all been involved in calling contests at some point, whether, I don't know if, I don't know if you were in contests, Ryan, but I know you went to them. Yeah, I went to a few. I went to a few and, and and like tons of your friends are some of the best in the world. And and me and Bill have been in contests, not recently, but you know, 10 less, maybe less than 10 years to 20 years ago, we were in quite a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. So calling is a huge thing to us, and I mean, we know the value it can have, and I just feel like if we just spend a little time here, maybe for, and we'll have, we'll throw some things in that we've learned that maybe are above the beginner level, but we'll throw them in as we're talking about kind of talking to a to a beginner and go from there. And um, so you know, I don't even know exactly where to begin. I mean, what do you guys think is the best? Start off on. If I, I mean, let's do this. I think if I was going to say, let's start with ducks. Yeah, I suppose yeah. we should do duck, a duck scenario, goose scenario on each one. Yeah. I mean, if I was, if I was going to tell someone, hand them a duck call and say, you are coming duck hunting with me in one month, I want you to be able to be able to do this. I would tell them to learn three things myself. I would say, learn a single quack and then 
I'll come back to that. Learn an aggressive hen and learn some form of feed chatter. Yep. And when I and when I told them that, I would say the first thing I want and the only thing I want you to do, and don't do anything else until you get this right, is learn that single quack and get the tone of that down so that it sounds like a duck. Do not do anything else until you've done that. Mm-hmm. Until you can until you can confidently quack that thing and make it sound like a duck. I want to hear no other sounds come out of that duck call. Because that is one of the things that I think people just, they try to jump in over their heads and they're trying to ride wheelies before they can take their freaking training wheels off. Well, the the keyword is you, you keep saying sound like a duck. And this also parlays into the goose part of it as well. Sound like a goose. Yeah. Take a goose call and you learn how to do a honk Mm -hmm. with good tone and sharp and clear. That's it. You don't need to learn to try to do a spit note before you can do a honk. You don't need to learn how to double clock before you can clock. Mm-hmm. Start off on step one, and it might take you two weeks. And, and the beautiful thing is now you can do it on your dang cell phone. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, man, I was doing it on a stupid tape recorder and had to sit and rewind the thing so I could tell what I sounded like, whether I sounded like, well, when I did sound like crap and, re- and figure out why I sound like crap, and then you fix it. Yeah. Now it takes you 10 seconds to hit a button and play it all back again. <clears throat> so I think that deal right there, like, I mean, Bill, you, how many times did you see it at Cabela's where there was some dude would come in and want to blow a goose call, but he couldn't honk. He couldn't make a single honk sound good, but the, he would get in front of his friends and go, but it didn't sound anything. I mean, I wouldn't want that dude calling next to me. I know that. Right. And there they go and they jump over everything. And then you've got all these bad habits. Yeah. And you got all the stuff that you gotta try to correct, you know, before you even know how before you even sound like a goose. Yeah. So I think that is the thing I've always tried to tell people whenever I, I try to help them learn. It's just take it easy. It's not a race. You're better off just not making all those other sounds that probably aren't gonna sound good anyways. Mm-hmm. And get yourself set up. With a good base, learn how to do the very, very two basic things, one on a duck and one on a goose, that are going to set you up for success and everything else. So, yeah, because the rest I of it's not, rest of it's not going to sound good until you learn how to mm-hmm. make a single, single honk or a quack. I mean, that's the yeah, foundation. It's all, it's all the, a variation. It's all, it's all based off of a single honk or a quack. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything else that you would do comes off of for the most part, comes off of those two yes. sounds. Yes. So, yeah, I think that is that is the absolute key on that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so let's say you've you spent a couple of weeks and you got yourself down and you got that single quack down. Um, and then you, the next thing that you want to learn is just an aggressive hand. And, and there's a bunch of variations on that, but... <clears throat> Essentially, it's just a few quacks. I'm just, I got we got duck calls here with us. Um, I'll just do a quick one. Hopefully, it doesn't sound like crap here next to the microphone. But of just what basically an aggressive hen would sound like, and there's you can go less aggressive or more. But um, basically, it's just a series of quacks extended out. So and you bet your basic quack is just going to sound like <laughs> pretty easy. Not much to it. 
Mm-hmm. It's an aggressive hen, then also known as a lonesome hen, would be just like a. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Um, yeah, you say a, that, you say that's all there is to it, but like you know, we take that we take that for granted. We, like, we do, like uh, the tone, especially. It, it, it's mm-hmm. something because that kind of, that's something that you've built up over time and practice, and mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely, yeah, there's no doubt. But once you can do that, that single quack, all that other thing is, is just single quacks kind of run together and extend it out a little yes. bit. So I was, you know, you, I've never been great at, 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 at teaching people how to uh, blow, uh, blow calls, but like, you know, but friends of mine that, that are, you know, I listen to them and, you know, and, and, First thing, you know, they always want to get them to learn to quack. Then they want to get them to do two quacks in a yep. row. Then, then, then up to five. You know, then when they get the five quacks, just then it's like you know putting it in a, in a in a sequence of you know whether you're content or if you're demanding or yep. um, being forceful or 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 just you know from yeah. There's different. Side. There's different pieces of that variations yeah. of what I just did. And we'll kind of talk about that in just a minute, I think. And it's important to know that there are differences, whether they're important to ducks as much as they are to us. I don't know. But it is, it's all, it's all like the things that come off of that foundation. And if you don't have that built, like it doesn't matter how long you practice it, it's not going to sound good if you can't make just the basic things sound good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And some I'm noticing just in this talk, the importance of the quack too, and perfecting that is uh, how do I say it? The quack like uh, bails me out too, because I'll pick up my call and I don't, even though I want to rip into a lonesome hen or aggressive hen, sometimes I quack, quack, then do it because your call Mm -hmm. might have chew spit in it or your call might be frozen or whatever, yeah, and at least yeah. a, a quack, you can do something quiet that the duck probably can't hear, but you know you got your tone. You know the call is working, yeah. and then you hit them with the sound you want. Because in duck calling, and we, you know, I don't know at what point we want to get into this, but I feel like with duck calling, it's a little bit of a deck of cards. You only want to use certain things at the right times. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and, the sure. quack, and the quack kind of bails you out or I don't know if bails you out is the word but it, it, it lets you know okay my call is working the tone is right and then you man 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 and then hit them it just sets the yep. plate for you like you know where you're at yep it's like taking a warm up you know contest routine you're always going to do a quack first before yep. you do anything so yeah I mm-hmm. think that's important you know and then the only third thing and we'll, I'm just going to do a quick bit of it here is, is to learn some form of a feed chuckle and there's a whole bunch of different ones there's a single cut and double cut and yada 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 don't even worry about any of that if you can do if you can just do something that's it's like a cluck is basically what you're doing on a on a duck call and it's just a that right there is probably the third sound that you would want to know um in different situations, it can be very important. Sometimes it's not. Um, well, that's that's kind of what I want to talk about. I might be interrupting you, Phil, but how important do you guys both feel feed chatter is? Well, hmm. personally, I you know personally, I feel like it's probably the. I mean, it's all gonna it's all gonna be based on what um, you know 
what kind of where where you're hunting at. You know, it, it's going to be different if you're hunting, um, you know, big open water. It's going to be different if you're hunting. But as far as um, where I hunt, you know, you know, we hunt the r- a river a good bit with a lot of trees around. Like, but you know, the you know, for our group, and what we found most successful is 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 we do a lot of chattering. You know, so for for our style of hunting, and you're and you're doing it, that once you've got them broke. Yeah, right. We're, exactly, <laughs> yep. but also too once you've like, got them coming. Yep. Yeah, but but also too, if you know, like, I just feel I just I just hate to see a group of birds that I know that are going to work, and just the first thing to do automatically do is just mac 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 mac, you know, like, you know, so if they're coming to us, everything, I mean, you know, we we usually a lot of times we'll start right off the bat just you know just chattering at them, you know, and I say, and it's all about reading birds too. You got to know what birds mm-hmm. to do it with. But you know, if there's if there if there birds that are within, you know, a hundred yards that we that we feel that are going to the to, to play the game, you know, like a lot of times we'll just start we'll just start chattering at them, you know, and just you know doing the chatter and, and you know and throwing in your in your little quacks. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, I I, I you know for, for us and and there you know that and and once and then also too like you know once we get a high group of birds broke down and they start working that's pretty much all we do is just yep. it's just chatter non-stop and we will and we will chatter them all the way to the water so i got a, so as far as how much you think it it matters bill i've got a couple things on that mm-hmm. one before i get into that i want to throw out that we are probably going to say on this podcast uh the words it depends <laughs> a lot, <laughs> yeah. a lot, because so much of this is situational based on, you know, what part of the country you're hunting yeah. in, what kind of terrain you're hunting in, whether you're hunting where the birds are coming, whether you're trafficking birds, um, yeah, and how well you're hidden, yada yada, what the weather's like, what the birds' wing beats are doing, what time of year all, it is, yeah, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I think it depends is probably going to be the most important thing that we could get across on this. Yeah. Uh, and also too, that what, you know, I, I was just sitting here thinking about that. Like a lot of times, like the chattering too, is what we do to keep them interested because a lot of times we can't see them, yep. you know, like when they get behind us and, you know, I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to to hit them hard, you know, if I don't know where they're at. Mm-hmm. And another thing that is, um, you know, I think we can talk about too is, is with calling is 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 learning how to um, learning how to call as a group. You know, yeah, just say you definitely. got four, just say you got four or five guys. Like, you know, I mean, that's something that I mean, I've got a lot of experience with. Is you know, there's you know, you know, my group, you know, there's usually always five or six of us, you know, four to six of us, and like, um. You know, even though I can't personally see the birds, I can tell by the way the rest of my group mm-hmm. is calling on whether where they're at, and I also know what when, you should be doing. Yeah, and I also know I can tell by their mm-hmm. calling is if they can see them or not. Yep. Yeah, you that's know, something. It, I think it, we'll get into that maybe in a bit, but I think that's yeah. that's key. But like I said, but that, um, that's why. So, we so you're saying, so you're saying, if you can't see the ducks. But you know you want to contribute. They're liking sound that day or whatever it is. Well, you, it's like saying if I'm if I'm hunting on the left side of the blind, like, and um, 
you know, and somebody else is on the far right. And, you know, just say the other callers on the far right, like, you know, I'm never going to sit and call, you know, like there's nothing, you know, I, I don't like a wall of noise. I'm just not going to blow my duck call to blow a duck call. If I can't see the ducks, you know, I'm either going to, you know, if I can't see the ducks, I'll either be chattering. Um, and, you know, and I can tell, by the way, my, my hunting buddies are calling on whether they can see them or not. Because, you know, if, if they're quacking, like, mm-hmm. mah, 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 you know, I know they're seeing them because they're not going to do that at a, at, a, at a duck, you know, coming right in. Coming at them. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's just using the calls at the right time and, 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 um, yeah. and just, you know, and, and knowing the group that you hunt with, like, you know, I can, um, like say if if I can't see the ducks and I'm not calling, I can tell by the way that the rest of the group is calling on where they're at. Yeah, definitely. So I think I'll answer your question, Bill, quick about the my feed chuckle. To me, it's exactly what Ryan said: is that the feed is basically for for the where we hunt here. Um, I would say ninety percent of the time that we're using it, we're using it maybe when they're right on top of us as just to kind of a keep them interested. Or if they're coming in and like they're interested, they're coming in, maybe they're going to do it this pass, maybe not. It's just do a little bit of light feed to kind of keep them online so they don't veer off. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. But, you know, now if you go talk to someone who hunts in the, like straight up real timber, I mean, there'll be they'll hunt with 10 guys and every one of them going as hard as they can on the feed and doing the wall of sound type deal. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it's an important thing. Like for, like if I had to give up personally, a duck call sound, that would be one of the basic ones. The feed would be the one I would give up for how I typically hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet that doesn't mean it's not important. I think it's, it has a lot of, a lot of uses for it. So yeah. I think what we can do is um, to maybe explain how like these different sounds get used and make it, try to make it easy and clear um, you know, like, let's just think of, you have a scenario of you're hunting somewhere. Let's just say we're on a, an area where you can see a ways and whether it's mm-hmm. cattails or trees or whatever, it probably doesn't necessarily matter. You know, let's say you've got, um, you got a flock of, and for everyone that's listening, I mean, we're calling mallards now, um, you know, other ducks can be called, but not with the same, uh, by default, we're always talking about mallards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good, good we're always going to be anything you're talking about, yeah. unless we have specifically noted that we are talking about mallards. Um, they're just the most callable of ducks when it when it comes down to it, and the most responsive. So you've got a flock of twenty mallards coming at uh, five hundred yards away, which you know they're not right on top of you, but they're going to be on top of you in twenty seconds, and another, now they're kind of getting to that. Another variable, we need, another variable we need to throw in here is is in this situation. What's the weather like? You well, know, this is yeah. We'll get to all this. We'll get to gray all this. Skies, gray skies or blue skies or yeah. So let's say you've got these ducks coming, and first flock of ducks. It's it's uh, ten minutes after sunrise, and you haven't seen ducks yet. And this is the first flock, and they're five hundred yards out, and they're I don't know, they're mid level height. Now you can say like, okay, like when you're, you're thinking if you're a duck hunter and you don't know, like you're new to this 
and you're thinking, okay, oh God, you know, the, the instruction, the YouTube video said, when they're that far out, I should do a greeting call. Well, I would disagree. Like that's not always going to be the answer. And mm-hmm. we, we rarely, if ever do the true, like time and a place for that. But for most situations probably don't need to break out the contest style. Um, hail. Hail call. Hail call. Yeah, You don't really, I can't oh say I've gosh. never done it. I can't say I haven't seen it to ducks, but for the most part, you can get by with a much duckier sounding yeah. call that will accomplish the same thing as long as you yeah. have the volume behind it. Put it this way. If you feel like you've mastered the quack, the aggressive hens or multiple hens and a feed chatter, then start working on your hail call. Yeah. And even on that, I would, I still like, I don't want dudes doing that sound a lot out of my boat. I know that like, none I don't of want us them, do. I don't want them doing it at all. <laughs> yeah. Do you, be, ever, you know, do you ever hear be, guys talk about hunting migrators though? And yeah. It, we've done it. I mean, when you, th- the things like Bill, some of those days you've hunted with me when we've been on the ocean, mm-hmm. like we were essentially doing a greeting call or a hail call. Yeah. It just sounded a bit more ducky than what you'd hear on a contest stage. But it, we're basically doing the same thing, being loud, ringing or almost ringing our calls and just trying to like hit them with something really hard that just sounds like a bunch of duck in the background. So it's kind of the same thing, but yet as far as actually learning that sound, meh, don't mess with it. I would say it's yeah. like, it's way down the list of things you need to worry about. Yeah. You know, so you things like, so Ryan said, I mean, things that I would take, I mean, this is all stuff that's going to come over time, but man, like things I would take into consideration that is okay. Their actual height, how far they are, how fast they're coming, what their wing, what their wing beats look like. Um, you know whether those ducks were in the spot that we're hunting or whether they're just flying by, mm-hmm. um, on their way to somewhere else. Um, all of those things would would feed in, I guess, to like my decision in terms of what I was going to open up with. Is yeah. there anything else you can think of? No, no. I mean, just really, you know, if there's weather, like you said, wind and weather, because that that will affect how they hear it. Yeah, exactly. And just, and also going to, you know, and and a rule of thumb is, you know, when it's a bright blue or um, bright blue day, I mean, they're going to be a lot more responsive. Typically, yeah. Generally, it's all, I mean, mean, you know, in, in exactly. I mean, there's going to be variations always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that, though. But you know, I mean, a duck caller. If you're hunting, that's why we always say that we like the sunny days. Is it seems like to call ducks in yeah. something about that bright sunny broke like you know light light clouds. You know, I mean, for whatever reason, the main, it, it, it just makes them more aggressive. Yeah, you know, or reckless, reckless, or, maybe. Yeah, I guess rec- to put it. It may, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. The, only, the only other thing I throw in there too is 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 what that group of twenty looks like. You know, like are they? Yeah, what's all, their? How are they strung out? Yeah, how are they strung out? Are they, are they all in one big old line? Or are they all not? Are yeah. they all? If they're in a, you know, the the closer they are together, you know, the if better. there's if there's twenty and they're all on a straight line, I'm probably not even going to call out them at all. Yeah, it's tough you know, because that right there just shows me they're in a traveling mode. You know, they're not looking to. 
yep. to get down and do anything. But if you know, but if there's twenty all in a all in a wad, you know, to me that right that's, there, that's that's what I want to see. And you know, and, and the, absolutely, yeah. And this, you know, and this can go. This can go back to the it depends situation, mm-hmm. but and I will almost always try at least to hit them hard. Like if I even if we think they're traveling, I will almost always say, "Well, let's just try them, yeah. and we'll just try them and try it hard right away, just to see if you can maybe get that one to start to quiver yeah. a bit and to break them off because it can happen and it might." mean the difference between a great day and an okay day if you get that flock to break yeah but generally like that's it's tough yeah and you know another thing i would throw in there too that i think is important is the uh, how would i describe it the attitude of their bodies yeah that's kind of what i was so their wing beat their wing beat is one thing but if it seems like there's ducks like if they're if their butts are lower than their heads, like that's not a good sign, I would say. Yeah, no. It means it's more reinforcement that they are going beyond you. Yeah, they're climbing. I would say. Yeah, they're climbing. And that's a tough thing to break is when they're actually going up yeah. and you're trying to bring them down. That's hard. And and, and trying to explain how to learn a duck's body language is, 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 <sighs> is, is not – I mean, that's – I mean, you know, if I had – we said we said this is for beginners, but this is like advanced level yeah. things that only experience and time and doing it is going to get you. But like when we were talking earlier, Ryan. I mean, these are things that um, a new a new duck hunter is going to pick up his call and want to just get crazy on a flock of ducks. Where another guy might say, "Nope, those aren't even callable." Like yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was saying earlier. I yep. mean, when you when you hunt yep. a spot long enough, you can you can just tell by a duck's body language and the direction it's yep. going. Like like you said, with you know, you can just it, it's hard to explain, but like you know, and like I mean, and I'm the one that sits in our blind, and I mean, I've always got my eyes to the sky. I'm always paying attention, and you know, the majority of the time, you know, I'm seeing ducks, but like I know whether to, to for one, I know whether to, in my mind, like. You know, I know whether to call at them or not. And, you know, and most of the time I don't even, if the guys are doing something else, I don't even mention that I'm seeing these group of ducks. You know, I yeah. mean, it's only the certain groups that I'll even, um, I'll even, even bring up, but like. Well, so Deb, that, it's, it's just something that you just pick up and. Yeah. Um, and it's so hard to explain and you don't ever think about it. Cause you know, like everybody I hunt with, like, you know, it's not anything that we ever explain to each other. We've all done it so long. You're like, no. How many times do you hear like, man, that's a good looking group right there. But, yep. but if you had to, or, but if somebody I mean, was to say, why, somebody was to say, why is that a good looking group? Like, well, yeah, to actually enunciate, to like, yeah. just put it in the words to describe it is kind of tough. But yeah. once you know, like, yeah, once you know, you just know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I would agree. It's definitely hard. You know, so anyway, so like, I'm just going to kind of say like, if I saw that flock of ducks and let's say I thought they looked good, they're position body yeah. position looked right they're coming from the way i thought they should be coming from and i mean i'm typically gonna let them get out to that distance um i do usually one of two things i usually try to hit them when they're out a ways with a decent uh, like you know like just like an aggressive hand and just see what they do yeah and watch that 
Are these? And, then, and are you saying these birds are coming at you at this moment? Yeah, let's say they're they're coming at us. Mm-hmm. They're coming in your direction. They're flying at us. They're gonna come overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna hit them once. I like to get them starting to work a little bit ahead of time. Like try it. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, I will then maybe wait just a little bit till they're a little bit closer, and then hit them pretty hard and try to kind of force that reaction out of them when they're not mm-hmm. not necessarily right on top of you, but close to being on top of you. So you kind of make them decide right then that they got to do it. And that's a lot of times where you kind of just get that reaction out mm-hmm. of a couple of them and choof, they're down and maybe you drag the rest of the flock or half the flock or who knows. Yeah. Another thing I'll say Plus, on this too is if there's 20 and you see them, like pick out one bird to watch. Don't watch like all like I mean you can see all twenty in your peripheral vision, but pick out one of those in there, and like and and focus, and focus on and, and focus on him. I mean that's mm-hmm. you know. So I do the opposite. I watch them all, and I'm trying to watch all of them, and I wait till you see that one's wings just start to change. Whether no matter what it is, if the, as soon as that wing beat changes from the rest of them, that's then yeah. I watch that one. Well, actually, so I mean, same, when I do it, I mean, I'm looking at the same. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching the whole group, but I'm focusing on the lead bird. Yep. You know, right? The, you know, right there, because you know, and because it only takes it only takes one to give it up. You yeah, know, if for, you get one, the others. I mean, you literally, if you can get one, you can kill the whole flock. A lot of times, some yeah. will keep going, but you can get. I mean. You know, who cares if you get 20? If you got three guys in your boat, you're not killing 20. Yeah. If you get six, then you're probably doing pretty good. But, you know, that so, yeah, group like right You just need to get yeah. that one, and you keep on that one. Yeah. And you watch him. Exactly so, what I mean, said. what I would do, I mean, like, you know, and I'm a little bit of an aggressive caller. Like, you know, I don't do the the very often do I do the mac, 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 mac. Not even a high ball. For, for, for me, if I see him, it's going to be mac, 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 mac. You know, usually yep. five, five or six nice. notes, but just yep. real aggressive and real hard, you know. Yep. And, you know, and if they don't do it after the first one, it's, mac, 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 you know, and try it again and, and, and see by then, um, you know, then, you know, usually at then that point. Then let your buddies join in and, yeah, and do more. Exactly. Then, and just wait for, and usually, you know, just you know, I'm just always waiting for that one to to do it because if I can get one to do it, more often than not, they're all going to do it. Um, yeah, like I think that I think something this brings up something here that or a note. Um, it reminds me of an album name, but I can't think of who it is. Um, the power in numbers that you have when you're calling. Yeah. Um, maybe bring that up here in just a minute. Um, so you know, so that's a pretty generic scenario and let's say they they break they're over the top of you and half of those 10 break yep at that For, point yep. you're gonna like i know what i'm gonna do is you try to get one person to watch the other guys do exactly like you said in our boat same thing yep. whoever's watching you know what's going on basically off exactly what your buddies are doing yep and you kind of keep up with them and what we're going to typically do is let them break they're going to drop lose most of the altitude on that pass and then this is where this is where I think it's easy um, is they're going to they're going to come down and they're going to go past you and they're going to start hopefully start to turn. Mm-hmm. But you're going to help them by just doing exactly that same thing, that five or six note. Bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. Boom. I mean, if everything goes like it should, boom, they turn on a dime, they come back around 
and during that time, you can basically let them just fly by you if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think this is the time where you can or cannot or can or don't have to or whatever do things like the feed or the quiet quacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you let them do the same thing. They're going over your head, back out over your decoys. Let them get a little ways out so they have enough space when they turn to come in and land. You hit them, and that might be 50 yards to 100 yards. Hit them again. Same thing. Pop, 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 pop. And theoretically, they're going to come and finish there. And then Mm -hmm. I think that part's pretty basic. I don't think many people are going to do a whole lot. A lot of guys, I don't think many people who are consider themselves someone who really likes to call mallards, that's pretty basic. Yes. I think the rest of it from here in is where people do different things. Like when you're finishing, when they're at 100 yards coming, what people do is I think there's a lot of difference in that little last five seconds. Yeah. And it can help. And there's things that, that can matter. I mean, what, like, what would you do, Ryan? Well, I mean, that right there is all going to depend on, um, it's all going to depend on uh, how windy it is. You know, if it's uh, if there's no wind at all, you know, we're, we're typically going to be quiet. Um, but a lot of times, but, you know, if it's real windy and also too, like, you know, I'm sitting here kind of picturing myself in the blind. It's like, I, I think what guys need to understand too is like when you're hunting with a group of people and you're doing this is, you know, to, in order to be successful, you have some, you guys have to deem a lead caller. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. that like you know, swallow your pride. You know, like you know, it. Does, I mean, just basically pick one person in the blind to lead the calling. You know, once yeah. things like and you know and and um, you know for our you know in our blind you know um, like I say Kelly's on the right side. You know, you know he's pretty much. If he's there, you know, he's the lead caller. And, um, and, and like I say, we don't even have to really converse. We can, we can tell by each other's callings, like when we need to do, but there's also times too, if Kelly's seen, he'll be like, you know, he'll, he'll, um, you know, he'll, he'll either tap on the wall or he'll, he'll say, or he'll just say out loud to everybody like faster, 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 you know? And like, when you have that, like, you know, you're going to be more successful, but, but personally for myself, like, I, you know, I think one of the, the quickest way to, to lose a group of birds is, is you know, that, that last um, 50 to 60 yards is important. You know, you, you can either – and you can – that's very easy to screw up. So – It can um, be, yeah. You know, so what we do right there is, you know, working as a group of callers, like, you know, we'll usually, we'll usually leave that to let one person, you know, do the finish work. And um, – yeah. You know, and as far as calling oh. goes, you you have to you have to know your lane. You know, I can finish birds, but you know, like, you know, and but you know, where I where I'm best at is is being aggressive, and 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 you know, and breaking the high birds and getting them to working. You know, keeping them interested in chattering. But when they get in close like that, you know, I let, um, you know, if if we're in a group situation, you know, I'll let Kelly and and Andrew and. And them, you know, you know, do the do the finish work, because you know you don't need too many people calling at that at that. But no, um, typically, one guy can do it. But also too, like, but you know, one thing that you know we do do a lot. I'll say is, is, um, you know, it's just, you know, I say, and this all just depends how interested there are. But like, you know, it just it's just staying on them, smack, 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 and. 
yeah. you know, that's not, that's not really the right cadence, but like, you know, it, it's almost like you, if, if you let off all of them, you're going to, you're going to lose them. Yeah. What you're, I, I would say once they get to that point, like the key that I, I, I think of once they're in that they're committed and they're common and all you're, all I'm trying to do at that point is you're trying to balance a line of keep their attention on you mm-hmm. just enough, but don't call so much that you would throw them off. Like yeah. that's when maybe the, the light feeds come in, like even just a quick burst like that, especially as you're watching. I mean, like when that happens, like as much as someone, a sports guy can be in the zone. Yeah. I feel like that's like when you're in the zone and you're watching and like, I've got my call just at my lip, not make any sound. And you're waiting and my, what I'm doing, I'm waiting for one bird to even slightly peel off to the side. And mm-hmm. the, the second that they do that, I'm just going to make a quick, a single quack or a little quiet or just, and I mean, if you're well hidden and and things are right, like you can, you can do that at 20 yards and you can, you can center those birds from the right side of the blind. If I'm on the left side, I can, you can pull them over five more feet by that's, doing that. That's what I was getting ready to say that we do that a lot of times too. Like, you know, just, mm-hmm. the, it, it seems like it might, you know, be five seconds, but like, you know, when they're, you know, within the last five seconds of what they're going to do, you know, we, we'll um, try to base on where, if, if they're going to land off of my, if, if they're going to, if they're going to, if the group is wanting to do more soft my end, then I'll shut up. You know, and, and Kelly, let the other side of the blind. Yeah, then let the it. other side, you know, like um, Kelly and Andrew and them on that side of the blind, they'll call and they'll hit them, so then pull them back, you know, and vice versa. If they're if they're trying to land off the right side, you know, the right side of the blind won't call, then we'll hit them hard on the left side, you know, to, to, to try to bring them about back to have a good shot for everybody. Yeah, so I would say, you know, in a call in a typical calling scenario, you've got you've got that basic. Um, the breakdown, like where you're going to try to break them. Yeah. You've got the, once they're broke and then you've got the finish. Well, exactly. Well, it's, it's, it's the, the breaking them down, the, the, the keeping them interested then the finesse work. Yeah. You know, so you got three, three the, parts basically yeah. in there. The, the breaking, pipe. the breaking, I think once you've got that done, the rest of it typically is, falls in place. Yeah. Um, and the breaking part is kind of the like the fun, cool part where I always get get yeah. my kicks the most, or I, I love seeing that reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle yeah. part, I think, the, is yeah, probably the, the most is, self-explanatory. You know, that's yeah. you know, that's, the, that's you know, the great when, part. But but when they get the you know the step two of the whole deal, like when they're all you know, and they're all swinging and and and, and you know, that's where the, that really makes the hair stand up on my neck. <laughs> yeah, you know, let me rephrase this. So there's something I love about every part of it. I love that first second when the bunch cups their wings when you break them. Mm-hmm. And that oh, part man. is what, like, when someone's in my boat, they're going to hear me go, oh, my God, oh, my God. The they're going to hear that. The game is now activated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, we got them. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, you're going to hear me say that, and I'm kind of yeah. going crazy. And then the next part, like when they're behind you and you're kind of peeking over the back of your blind and all of a sudden you just see all their backs as when you hit them and toof, all their backs turn in here, they come back around. Mm-hmm. I love that part. Love that part. And then the same thing 
when they're out in the front of the boat and you hit them again for that last pass, they all their backs and they turn. Yeah. And then, of course, that last bit when they're flutter hovering looking for a spot to land and their feet are kicked yeah. out. Um, so there's parts of all of it that I love. Um, yeah, I'm trying. That's I what think, I'm trying to say. It's like you know, I always say that the first part is you know when they when they break is when I get so excited. But like as you're going through that whole sequence, like man, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm excited the whole like. <laughs> yeah, the never whole thing old. is the whole thing is just like it's there's tricks to all of it. Um, hopefully, I don't. I mean, here we're trying to say we're going to simplify this, but. Really, it's just, the, the thing is, it's hard to simplify. It's hard to explain because there's so many parts to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know and what we I, what we think is is you know like riding a bike. You know, it, it's not the the everybody. No, you know, and but it, the and, thing and, is, it's, but, there's not much to it. Once there's not much to the physical part of it. Like what yeah. I want to just get out people's head is like you don't need to know all these things, and and really, like I feel like you. I feel like you can't screw up that easily. Like, you know, if, if you, oh, I just did a single quack there. Like, you shouldn't have to sit there and contemplate, oh, should I just do a single quack now? Or should I do a, you know, should I do a lonesome hand? Well, it probably isn't critical at any given time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see the reaction that you want out of one of them, do the other one. Or do more of one or less of one or do it louder. But I don't, mm -hmm. I think... People, I think people try to like think of it as like some big equation, and it isn't necessarily that. It's just like there's a few things you got to do. If you do them at the right time, you're going to be better off. If, there's a few things that maybe you can do at the wrong time that mm -hmm. would really screw it up, but I, I think that's harder to do than than people tend to think it is. Yeah, um, and, and like what's what's you know more common now is is you know I mean there's days where. Um, or any of us in our group will be like, eh, shit, you know, I, I think I blew those out. You know, I mean, I, I think yeah. that's something we all do, but, but, but it's not from using the wrong, it's not from using the note. wrong style or calling or the wrong note or anything. It's just because, you know, like you never know one group may love it. The next group yeah. may not, <laughs> you yep. know, but I mean, I've, you know, there's many times I've looked at the guys back. Yeah. Sorry. I screwed those up or, yeah. um, you know, just in different spots, but, you, you know, can do that differently but also, too. Exactly, but also too, it's like you you might think you've blown them out, but you know, but man, a a, a duck is well, a duck. You know, I wanna, like, you know, I think this. So I, here's something I think is interesting. Maybe you don't. Like, let's talk about it now. Um, there's a bunch of things when when people start saying about blowing them out, and it kind of it kind of brings up the thought of is you know of the hope of people saying you know no duck call is better than a duck and you know no duck calling is better than any duck call or you should never i never blow i never blow out all i ever do is a single quack I'm like oh, okay that's great if you're hunting a teeny tiny pothole and you those ducks are coming to your hole yeah. but i can tell you in a lot almost anywhere that i hunt you just do a single quack like that, and you might, and you're just gonna watch those ducks fly on by, mm -hmm. like, or, or you, start to set up on you, and then, not even and then, well, they'll start not to even, set, they're right? just gonna fly right by. They won't even like. I mean, how many times have the ducks been past us, completely past us, and you see them, and you hit them with that first pop, 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 
boom, they turn. Boom. Like yeah. a single quack isn't going to do that. It yeah, was but if not you, if, if, you do, right. if you just do it, I mean, you're not. Yeah, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. No. So I, I just want to say that if you're just learning to blow a duck call, or you have you're not comfortable with it, or you don't think duck calls are effective, I'm. If if ducks are not turning at all or you're having ducks fly away and that's what you're saying that that that's happening i'm going to just say that nobody that i know that's a good duck hunter that consistently shoots a lot of ducks that are not hunting on consistently on the x um would ever not say that some form of aggressive duck calling is vital anyone i've ever hunted with has always you know maybe they're not there's different levels but they're always going to be at least somewhat proficient at being able to hit a duck at a distance and trying to turn them. Mm-hmm. Cause it's yeah. one of the key, most important things that you can do in trying to duck hunt, And in, especially in just different situations, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the importance of a duck call and it, it depends on where you're hunting and all that kind of stuff. Like we keep saying, but if I had my choice between, like, if I, at the access, someone said, "Here you go, you can take your lanyard or a spinner." Oh, that's I'm gonna rainer. I'm gonna duck take, but I'm I'm gonna yeah, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the duck calls one because I that I like that tool way way yeah. better. Yeah, but two, like, I don't know, spinners aren't as effective as they used to be, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just want to believe this, mm-hmm. but it's like duck callings might be going back to some of the basics. And I would rather have a duck call than a mechanical decoy any day. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, that's, that's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not, I'm not even talking about so, that. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to think about spinners. So what, <laughs> yeah. what about this? So I, if I, if someone said, you know, so there's days where we run 75 to hundred decoys, like when we can fit that many in our spots, let's say I was going to go to one of those spots where I had room and someone said, you could, take um, your full spread 100 decoys and no duck call or 25 decoys yeah. and a duck call That's I'm taking 25 thing. I'm taking 25 decoys and my duck call and I'm not gonna be as confident as if I had a big spread but I would feel yeah. if I don't have a duck call I'm like I might as well just not I mean you'll still have ducks come in like when I mean, we get bombed occasionally but you know you're just you're not paying attention here's the next thing you know there's two ducks sitting in your decoys and nobody called that but yeah. without a doubt, I mean, it, it it doesn't happen near as much as it does yeah. when you have a duck call. So I can tell you, I don't want to be in a position where, I, where I'm sitting there watching a group of a, a good solid group of ducks, like yeah, and you're go helpless. by and and I'm helpless, like you know, yeah, yep. it would suck. So another so another thing I think that people say a lot is that you know you're too loud, too loud. Don't ever blow loud. This guy blows too loud. Um, man. I, and I can't think of how many times I had this happen, but where you're you're working a flock of ducks, and and there's ducks going by you, say going on the left side, and mm-hmm. there's three guys, and they're they're like you you don't got them, and so everybody's just pretty much giving everything they got, and you're flat out loud and aggressive and screaming at them, and the next thing you know, you look over to your right. And there's a half dozen mallards landing in the decoys as you're as loud as you possibly can be at these other ones. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think, I mean, there's, there's definitely, it depends on the place a little bit, but I've had it happen in everything. I've had it happen in all sorts of places. I mean, I've had it happen in the woods. I've had it happen in open stuff. I've had it happen in marshes. 
So mm-hmm. I think the, the you're too loud, you're too loud thing is, oh, it's kind of like one of those myths of yeah, duck hunting. I think so. I don't know how many times hunting with you in the boat blind in particular, you get so fixated on what's behind us and we're just sounding yeah. like cartoon ducks. We're trying to pull everything out at them. And I don't know how many out. times I've heard you go, oh my God, out front. Yeah. Yeah. You get ready, get ready. <laughs> and they're there. Yeah. And so, and, and I've had, I mean, and I have seen where like we've blown ducks out and I have, I have done it, no doubt. But I we've think the volume it. thing, like people just are too, too worried about the volume thing. Like, oh my God, this yeah. guy is too loud. I mean, that's, there's reasons why all these calls are, that are loud or popular now is because it, the volume is what turns them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's days like, you know, on a super windy day, I feel like you can't call out enough. Yeah, you windy know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, if it's foggy, like foggy, and there's zero wind, yeah, I'm not going to be as loud as I would yeah. on a crystal clear 10 mile an hour wind day. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want a duck call that. I mean, kind of. We maybe we can skip ahead out of our um, our scenario thing a little bit, but I th- I think that leads into how important is realism and we can do we can bring goose calling into this too because this is maybe even more important in this world now is how important is realism in terms of calling ducks or calling geese into you yeah well i'll like you know let build you know expand on the goose thing but i'll just to me i'll just start off by saying like by far i think you know realism on a goose call is a lot more important than it is on a duck call. <laughs> I will say I mean, a little differently. Well, okay. You think so? Well, I will say this. I think you want your sounds to be realistic, but maybe, maybe not realism because realism I think is important, but maybe yeah. replicating actual ducks because like in the contest world, the live duck yeah, thing I guess really kinda, got, the live duck and the live yeah. goose thing has really gotten popular. But like, especially when I like when you listen to a live duck contest, like there's a difference between like those ducks on the water aren't trying to get those other ducks in here so they can shoot them. We are trying yeah. to bring those ducks in so we can shoot them. Yeah. There's a difference in ducks just being ducks chilling on the water and ducks and us trying to decoy and call in birds. So I think all those sounds are awesome. I absolutely, I mean, I love them. I think that shit sounds cool. Um, the stuff dudes do in the live goose contest sounds freaking out of this world. But in terms of like effectiveness in calling geese, man, I'd rather hunt with someone who can just do awesome, sharp clucks, fast, sharp, fast clucks and good moans. Than yeah, I would with someone who's going to sit there and do a bunch of funky ass, mm. new, funny yeah. named moans and like whatever. Train, like I, yeah, all that uh, kind of shit. Like it sounds cool, but like you will never convince me that like, and people have tried to do this, that a certain specific note is going to like consistently like be this thing that kills a bird. Like, oh, I hit yeah. them with this such and such and they all turn. Well, do you think maybe it would have done a few to just honk real loud at them too? I mean, like the like we don't know what these sounds mean. Oh, it drives and, me up the wall. Yeah, we do not know what the 
train or the Willis moon or the blah, blah, all this shit. Like, we don't know what that yeah. means. It's a sound they make when they're flying. They yeah. make it on the water. They make it in the field. They make it on their table. I mean, all this different stuff. Like, we don't know. So, to tell me that, like, this specific note is going to do it, I'm like, mm, I don't believe that. I would... I would any day rather have someone who just blows fast and loud and just sounds like a lot of geese. Yeah. Kind of just creates like that gravity, like like a few duck callers do that are real loud. Like they just can't resist it. It's just too much for them. They got to come over and look. Yeah, whether it's to, ducks or geese. To think with the fancy sounds, um, to think that you can make an individual sound that is directly communicating to that. I'm going to speak more on the goose end to think that yeah. you're directly communicating with that goose and you're actually forming sentences with this goose <laughs> yeah. with the Come sound that you make because it's the train or it's yeah. this or that. Like you're a fool. I, I, I mean, yeah. and maybe people are going to hate me for that, but it's the truth. I mean, with, with goose hunting, Again, it depends. It depends. It depends. But to me, it's it's uh, realism is is very important. Every day I call, I don't call to make up sounds. I call to try to sound as much like geese as I can. But I really think it comes down to uh, aggressive or not aggressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like either you're trying to like kind of sweet talk one and just let him work his way in because he's coming, mm-hmm. or you're trying to break him. And you're trying to sound like as many geese as you possibly can. And yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I wish I need to come up with like a cool word for that. And, but ducks and it's geese a, both do it. It's the difference. Like, of as you throw them. more callers at a duck or a goose that's not coming and it, as they're just flying by, like the more, the more you throw at them, it's like putting more mass behind like the sun. It's got more gravity. Mm-hmm. It just like, they just get to where they just can't take it. And they just got to come over. Yeah. Um, and, and it goes, I mean, like the people I've talked to that hunt the woods a ton, like I used to think it was stupid that, man, why would you want to hunt with like 10 or 12 guys in the woods? Well, everyone who does it is like, it helps. Like we kill, like we will kill more birds per person because of having these extra people, because you put that much more sound out there and it's scattered and you're able to put sounds on top of sounds on top of sounds. So it sounds just like a big conglomeration of birds and i've i mean i've literally seen it work with geese so many times where when we used man bill like when we used to hunt the stuff with five or six of us and we were all good goose callers mm-hmm. you could literally you know like you see a flock of geese in the distance and they're flying by and you could see the response from those geese be different you know, like one the first guy would start calling because he got his calls out right away second guy got his out he'd start calling a couple seconds later the third guy all of a sudden, like you get to that fourth person, and it sounds so entirely different than it does with two people. And all of a sudden, those geese start to turn. The fifth guy gets on, boom, and then they just turn, and they can't, they couldn't help it. They had to come by. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like the the groups of good goose callers that are out there, like guys who can blow all these sounds, and then they're doing all, but they're maybe not doing that, but they're just making a lot of noise. Like I think that's what's doing is they're just putting that volume of sound out there. Mm-hmm. And it hits that those birds, and that's just like they can't resist it. It has got to come over and see what's going on. I think that's the key for any for like trafficking. I mean, if we're going to talk about traffic, one of the one of the main differences in all this is trafficking or not. That's one yeah. of the key things, right? And there. I think and what I, I was talking about, really what I was talking important. about earlier, when I was talking about, you know, more, the realism is more important than and goose call and then there's duck call. And I think 
I'm looking at that as like a con is, is in contest is like, you know, you can pretty much use about everything in a goose calling routine to kill geese, whether you want to hear it or not, or whether yeah. it's needed or not. Like everything in a goose calling contest is benef- can be beneficial in a hunting scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, just, uh, then you take a just, Main Street style calling duck calling contest where, you know, a lot of that is 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 not as useful as, compa- yeah. you know, in contrast to um, or comparatively. You typically speaking, won't hear world champion duck caller bust out a fifteen note hail call at ducks. Yeah, right. Here's not this doesn't happen. Like people yeah. like to think that these guys do that. But they're not gonna. Yeah, they're just demonstrating how much control they yeah. have over this yeah, call. What they can do. And there's like so many things. They're like, I got like three tangents I could take right at this exact moment. But I kind of want to just get back. I kind of want to guide us back around to our little scenarios of if you were going to be, if you're sitting in the blind and this is happening, what do you do? Yeah. Um. I think we can talk about it as ducks and geese in the same time frames because it's pretty. It's pretty. The things you're going to do pretty are pretty much. similar. Yeah. Um, Bill, would you agree that like with you're going to kind of do the same thing with geese that are out of the distance coming at you? You're going to kind of test the waters with a couple honks. Yeah, for the most part. But that see, that's it depends, right? It, it yeah. it's debatable. Yeah, how's, it how's the morning going? How much is the wind blowing? Yeah. This is your a, first flock. Your first flock of the day at a new spot. First flock of in, the day, new spot. A little bit later yeah. in the morning, the geese started flying open yeah. area. Yeah. Uh, generally when I see them and and if I can hear them, I will begin to start to call at them. And I don't yeah. use the, you know, burr, you know, yeah. I don't use the big hail note unnecessary if they're, I mean, if they're way out there in the distance, I'll do something like that. If they're going east to west or something yeah. like that, right? But yeah, um, I'll start testing the waters with honks, and I, I, I feel like it's keeping them. Like if they are coming at me, it's keeping them on the string. Yet that being said, I'm pretty old school sometimes too, in to where if they are coming, I'm going to continue to let them come as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but all along there though you're watching wing beats especially if i mean what if like if what if they're coming at you but their wings are just beating like a son of a bitch like they're just they haven't changed anything yet yeah i guess then i'm gonna start feeling them out uh get my call warmed up with with clucks just yeah. uh uh fast yeah. like faster clocks yeah, like it, because you know if they're coming at you, like great, they're coming at you. But if their wings are just giving her hell, I mean, you're not like you're not you're not doing yourself any favors. I would say by just continuing to just go ronk, ronk. Like that's mm-hmm. like you're trying. You need to get some reaction out of them because things the situation needs to change, and you're going to do something different to change them. In the same way that if it was ducks, you'd start off with a single one. Maybe one guy could just do it if they don't if they don't change. You're going to get more aggressive and your buddies are going to join in and then you're going to kind of build up to that wall of sound mm-hmm. being like, you know, last case scenario, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, with geese, you just want to keep working on the scenario, right, Phil? You're yeah. kind of what yeah, just follow it. it out. Yeah. Um, if I get them to begin to set up, uh, oh, God, it depends. But, <laughs> um, 
if they begin to set up, I actually like to pick up the tempo a little bit because I'm thinking to myself, they're liking it. They're liking the sound, right? Um, I'll pick it up a little bit until I see some really true, like awesome commitment. And then that's when I back it way, 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 way down. And I let the goose or the flock, um, you know, dictate, dictate what's about to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And when geese start setting up for the swing and they're going over the top of the decoys, uh, we'll say, and they're like going into their swing that I'm looking forward to, hoping they're going to do it one pass. Typically, almost out of nerves and nervousness, um, I try to really shut up, especially if with geese, they it's not that ducks don't look, but I feel like geese have more time to look at you. Oh, and I try God, to figure yeah. out like where my lines are. And if it's like they're about to go over me and over the decoys, I try, and there's like a nice commitment situation. I try to shut up because I don't want them to look at me or at the call. Mm -hmm. There's like a moment of quietness. Now, again, it depends because sometimes breaking down migrators, I don't shut up. It doesn't matter where they are. It's nonstop. I'm on them. But in your average situation, if I got aggressive with them and got extra commitment, that's when I try to back right down to where it's now the Passover time. They're about to pass over you or bank out in front of you. I try to get really quiet. Um, in in um, when they're on their bank, just like mallards on the corners, yeah. I try to hit them okay. a little bit, one last little bit of aggressiveness. Yep, just to spin them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, that kind of then and then uh, so then finishing them, I would say, is kind of that same weird scenario that people have with ducks like there's no right or wrong answer exactly sometimes people get more aggressive like you might hear one guy just go just to keep them coming Mm -hmm. some people might say shut up and just let them come you know some people are going to let them come and then as soon as they start to veer off a little bit you hit them with a couple conks or clocks to kind of get them back over some people are oh you got to do the lay down moan which (laughs) isn't really a lay down i mean it's not like that. It's not like other, yeah. What I think that's effective for is the same thing a feed is in that situation. Is it's it's something mm-hmm. that lets them like you're not making a abrupt sound, but you're just making something so they kind of keep keyed in on mm-hmm. you. Yeah, and with calling um, too, I hate to go back to you know the sounds again, but all this that I'm doing when I say aggressive or quiet, it is clucks almost exclusively with a few moans. Yeah, like um, clucks, double clucks, clucks which double is clucks, yeah. uh, aggressive, fast, uh, but yep. everything is clucks, clucks and moans. Yep. And I don't know if this sure. is necessarily realistic, but I'm looking for sharpness and cracks. Yeah, that's um, I think that's important. You know, especially if you're there's just birds that aren't coming into you. Yeah, and there's just like on there's, the there's no moments, whether it be starting them or finishing them or in between. Where I feel like exaggerated uh, trains or really weird moans or all that stuff makes much of a difference. Yeah. No, I would agree. It's it sounds cool, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it's not any more effective than the, the next sound is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, so then I, and if you lose them, like again talking talking goose hunting, if you lose yeah. them for some reason. Um, I've, I used to do it, but I've almost entirely gotten away from comeback calls too. Yeah. It's not the same as it used to be. You pleading, mm-hmm. pleading at them kind of made a difference in the early days yeah. of the short read, 
but now it's just aggressiveness or not. And I used to also think the spit note was this big, like bring them back yeah. kind of thing. But I think whether you are doing a spit note or super sharp, aggressive honks, to me, it's more Same. of a higher pitch frequency that I think for yeah. some reason makes them reinterested in what you're doing. But well, uh, that, also a lot of that pleading and comebacks and building up the comebacks and all that yeah. sounds so cool. Yeah. But it's just a matter of aggressiveness, like get aggressive to try to bring them back or get quiet and, and less honking. Yeah. So there's two things I think that one thing I think of there is like when you're doing all of this, as you're doing all this, it's not like I consciously think of it a lot, but I want to be able to have the option to give them more than I have, unless I don't have that choice. Mm-hmm. I think like if you just start off super aggressive right off the bat and that does not work, like you don't really have the option at that point to just get quiet. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to work. And you can't go any faster sometimes. So I think having that little bit extra in reserve is something that's valuable to like not give them everything right away. So that, especially with geese, I think, um, that you can speed it up a little bit then and try that. Um, and that's maybe one cons- consolation I would give to the people who say, you know, don't call so aggressive. You don't need to call. Like I will usually try to start all that stuff off. Like I'll try to do as little as I can right away. And if that doesn't work within real, within real quick, I'm not going to give these birds any more time to get further past me or, you know, more time to not make a decision. Once I see that that didn't do it, then I'm going to crank it up a notch or two right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I honestly want to go right to the top of what I can do because then you don't give yourself that option when things aren't going right to kind of turn it up a bit and like, oh, shit, we got we to gotta give them more, give them more. You don't have that. Right. It's like cards. You want to save your ace sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Um, I remember when I was a, I remember when I was a teenager sitting in the G spot at Grounds' place. You know his favorite goose pit was called the G spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I don't remember if there was a group or something, but he looked at me and said, "Hey, Bob, weren't you calling?" You know, for one, I was intimidated. Too, I, yeah. I, 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 I remember responding to him and said, "Man, I don't want to screw him up, Tim." He said, "Cluck and moan, bub. Cluck and moan, bub." He said, "That's all it takes. Just cluck and moan." Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you, you yeah, it, you cannot overemphasize it. Like I've told people, like they say, "Oh, I can't, I can't call good enough to hunt with you." I'm like, "Dude, that's like," I said, "Can you, can you cluck your call?" I said, "Well, then that's all you need to do. You just sit there mm-hmm. when we're doing it. You do it on top of us, and it sounds just fine. Like as long as you're not like trying to do too much things that you can't do well, just mm-hmm. cluck. It'll sound. It makes. I mean, I'd rather hunt." With three dudes that could literally just go like, just go, I could just do that. Then I mm-hmm. would with one, one dude who, then someone who just won world world contest. I'd rather hunt with those three guys because they're going to sound like way more birds than the one guy will by himself. Mm-hmm. And it sounds more realistic. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could hunt with three dudes that sound awesome, I mean, it's, you're opening up a whole different world of calling. But if, if you or and your two buddies can all just do that and you just take it easy on them and just do, rum, 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 I mean, that sounds really, really good from distance and to birds, I think. so. Yeah, and to mm-hmm. anyone listening that's kind of new to the sport, well, or even if you're experienced, it doesn't matter. 
I don't know. I got a lot of time and I've hunted with a lot of people and the best killers I've met in my journeys over the years. Um, God, they're just, they're, they're sharp. They can be loud, but cluck and moan. Like that's all they do. Mm-hmm. Like they're the best killers I've hunted with didn't have secret or fancy sounds. No, absolutely not. Yeah. No. Just, yeah. But, just, but the sounds, but the sounds they made, they were damn good at doing them. They're damn good at doing them. They're clean yeah. and they clean. had that sharpness yeah. to it. And they, and, were, and they, and they were knew realist, when. They were realistic and knew and, and, and knew when. No yeah. doubt. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, um, I can just say, you know, we don't kill a whole lot of cannons down here anymore, but if we're at the river, you know, just, just for instance, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not as good of a goose caller as I used to be just because I don't do it as much anymore. I mean, I'm, I, I can still do it and, you know, I just I just don't feel as confident about it because you know the only time I really do it is when we're in Canada. You know, so I mean, mm-hmm. I just kind of lose confidence in it. But what I'm saying is, you know, we can be at the river and just to say three Canadas fly by. You know, like you know, we don't. This might happen once or twice a year. Like you know, I can do my honk. You know, and and they might stay where they're at. But like you know, Kelly can do his. And, you know, and and they'll just turn their assholes inside out and 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 they're done. You know, so it's, 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 so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's, you know, it's, it's the, you know, it, it, it's a real, I guess it's realism and it, it's the, it's the pitch and, and power. just, and, and, yeah, and just, and just power. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I say, I mean, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm accomplished as a goose caller in certain ways, but like, you know, I, I just, I guess I've lost confidence in my, my goose calling ability just because I just, we just don't, we just don't, man, like it's depressing to say, but in the last 20 years, we've just, we just haven't gotten any candidates anymore. Yeah, mm. that's quite the deal. You know, and so, so I, mean, I mean, all this goes back, you know, it all just goes back to, I mean, so much of it, once you've got the physical sounds down, it goes back. It's going to fall back onto reading those birds and reading the situation. And I hope kind of with most of this that we're trying to make it clear, um, even though we're throwing like a million variables in and I feel like we're kind of like failing at making it easy, but maybe we're not. <clears throat> yeah, I guess, but, you, but, but the, 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 the end of the day, it's not an easy topic to discuss. No, I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought, I'm, you know, I'm realizing that it's not. Yeah, and I feel like I've talked in circles a good bit, but like it's just not. It's just not as if black someone, and white. I feel like if someone came hunting with us, though, it's yes, you could. They could say, "Okay, that seems right, pretty easy." Yeah, like when you yep. when you go out to watch, like you could be like, "That's pretty easy," because there's not that much that has to happen and occur to get these birds to work, you know, assuming that you're in a spot where they are willing to come into and you're hidden and all that kind of stuff. Like there's really not that much, but as the more we've talked, the more I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of like nuances that you need to pick up on to really make it work. But the actual sounds physically, once you've got that down and can make them, well, let me put it this way. I started elk hunting four years ago. I felt the first, like the first year I didn't even take a bugle because I didn't, for when I was, I was not confident enough in my abilities that I was going to do it out in the woods. So the next year I had a bugle and 
but I didn't know what in the hell I was doing. And I listened to all these YouTube videos and you can listen to Corey Jacobson on this Elk 101. And I mean, like you're just so overwhelmed because they're trying to make all these like little different sounds. And they're trying to talk about the volume of this and the depth of this and this, and you know, the big bull and the little bull. Like, okay. So I was like, Jesus Christ, I don't like, how do I calculate how to do all this when I'm, hundred yards away from his bowl and I'm nervous and I don't have a lot of confidence in what I'm doing. Also, I was went and did it. And all of a sudden, like last year, I called in a bunch of bulls and had like conversations with a lot of bulls and interactions. And I just went out and just bugled. I, I could physically make the sound and I could do cow calls and bugles and a couple little variations, but not much. And I'm like, you know what? These are animals. Mm-hmm. They're, I'm going to do the thing they're doing, and I'm going to do this bugle, and I'm not going to worry about, is this a challenge bugle or an aggressive bugle or whatever? I can't even think of the other sounds. Either I'm going to do a short one or a long one, and I'm going to see what happens. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to do it for one. In, in the last like two years, I'm certainly not an expert. Like, I would not do a podcast on elk calling, but I feel like just having gone out and done it and having – a ton of interactions over the last two years with elk. I'm way more confident. And I feel like I learned a ton just in that time of doing it. And I don't have this like bewilderment and glossy look in my eyes. anymore. when, when, if someone would tell me to bugle back at that bull, I'd be like, okay, I, I know what I'm going to do. I've seen things that work. Um, I've kind of learned that there's not a lot of things that are going to just like completely screw up the situation. So I'm comfortable doing it. And like that is kind of what I hope that maybe this can do for people that we're just making it like taking turn knock down that barrier of like, oh my God, I don't know, I have no idea what to do, and I'm just too afraid to blow that call and like that stuff. And I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that's kind of the maybe the key that we can change some minds that way. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything else, Phil? <laughs> I know you. I kind of yeah. made you the made you the note taker. Yeah, I got uh, some different notes. I'm going to ask you guys some questions if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. We don't have to get too wordy on it, but uh, some uh, things I come I'll up start with up a little bit. But um, let's keep. Okay, can you call other species? And also, that's a two part question. And does a Drake whistle do anything? Mm. I'll but, say yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You can call even divers. <laughs> divers will respond to calls. They're not not like a mouth, but they will respond. Mm-hmm. Teal, I've seen, I've seen <laughs> green wings and blue wings respond. Gadwalls respond. Mm-hmm. Pintails are super responsive to a whistle. Widgeons are super ball. responsive to a whistle. Mm-hmm. Specks are oh, hold on. responsive. What what Ryan say and a spec call? Yeah, man, I've seen um, you know I've seen uh, a group of pintails. Or, I mean, I've seen groups of pintails just get silly over a spec call. Oh, huh. <laughs> interesting. I wonder what the. I mean, the, I know like they're very similar in terms of like where they hang out and feed. Yeah, so, so I it. mean, yeah. But yeah, but, I would um, say yeah, like they're all call species. Everything is they're callable at some point. I mean. Like if you throw a flock of 
pintails going past me versus a past a flock of mallards, I'm way more confident that I'm going to be able to turn those mallards. But if everyone has a a, a whistle and can do that, do a pintail mm-hmm. whistle, I've seen them turn from that pretty good. I've yeah. seen I mean, widgeons turn like crazy to that. Yeah. Um, you know, and specs turn. I've seen cranes be called. Well, so, yeah. Uh, what about what about Drake Mallard's whistle? The Drake whistle, man. I so everybody wants to use it when it's quiet on like the calm days. But I feel like if you're proficient with a, a hen, like a regular duck call, like you can be quiet, like super quiet, little quiet mm-hmm. quacks, or just a couple little quiet feed chuckles. Um. So yeah, well, I'll carry I, I, I mean, I use, I'll carry one from um, you know, pretty much all of our group will have them, but. You know, most of the time we'll use them like, you know, if you hit a duck and it clearly bounces off the sound of your, your call, you know, it's like, then we'll go to, you know, trying to whistle, you know, just those days that, you know, yeah. that, you know it's almost like you scared the duck, you know, um, we will, you know, and, and, you know, just trying to add some, just some realism that, that's just different than a traditional, um, sound. So, yeah. I think it's there. Like I, I carry one. I mean, I, it's probably easily my most least utilized I mean, yeah. call on my lanyard. But yeah. I do, I do bring one. And I mean, all these ducks. And it's the same way. I think you can say the same thing with decoys. Is that they're very, they're much more responsive to their own kind the calling and decoys of their own. They go together, yeah. and that that both helps. It helps everything a lot. So yeah, they're they're yeah. callable, but just not to the same. Not to the same extent the mallards are. Okay. I got another one question, and this is debatable. I'm very mixed up on it. I'm going to say that I don't care that much about it until the morning that it happens, and then I'm freaked out about it, and so maybe you guys can help me settle down about this one a little bit. But what's your thoughts on echoes? Your call echoing. I know people Uh, freak about it, but... I mean, I can't think of how many times I've killed ducks in situations or geese where we echoed. So, I mean, I've definitely never felt like that was. Like, have you ever, have you ever had a hunt where you're like, these echoes are killing us? No. I'm, I'm like, I don't like it. Like, it's annoying. Yeah. But Dude, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent. Like, I'd rather not have it. But I don't feel like I would never blame that as the cause of something not working. I would say. Have you ever heard ducks or geese echo? They say a duck can't doesn't echo. I, you know, but you know, I've googled that before, and they say they do. I've googled really? it, and they, they say, "Yeah." Um, who's they? Someone's who's they? Phil. The, the internet, the people, <laughs> the deep state. Yeah. yeah, that's the new ones, but no. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm indifferent on it. Like I don't. I'm not gonna. Say, like I'll never freak out about it. You know, as the echo. You know, and, and as far as hunting in the woods and stuff, you know, the echo is a lot of what helps you to carry the sound. Yeah, it just sounds like, like a lot of ducks. You know, just the echo and bouncing off the trees and, and and so forth. So I mean, but you know, that's that's not an issue that we ever have. So I don't really have a lot. Uh, okay, I deal with it all the time in some of my spots. 
especially on. Yeah, the- I know. I know exactly the echo you're talking about. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know. I, I have. Mixed- I don't feel like that's ever hurt us. I mean, I have mixed emotions about it. Sometimes I'm like, nope, doesn't hurt you. It doesn't matter. Hit them. You're fine. It just sounds like more geese. Sometimes I feel like they lose track of my sound and can gravitate. This might be thinking too hard and giving them too much credit, but gravitate or almost confuse them on where exactly mm-hmm. is the sound coming from. So in a sense, it's like I blew them out. Yeah. But what hey. if I didn't call at all? Yeah. Or if there was no echo, would the exact same situation have happened? Yeah. Where, and now I'm say. blaming it on the echo. You know, yeah, that's one of the weird thing, like about all of this stuff, like as many, as much discussion as you want, like all you can do is fall back on experiences that you've had mm-hmm. and, and try to learn and gather it all and combine it and kind of meld it into one thing. But you can never have, there's never a control group. Like you can never have that exact same flock of geese come in and the weather be exactly the same and your blind be exactly the same and try it the other way like you'll you can never have it it's never exactly the same so it's like it's so hard to say yep this for sure is why so i think that's one of the the funny things about like as we talk about this stuff is like it's not like there's i mean i'll say that there's right and wrong but like in there's never an in there's never a definite like this will never work and this will always work there's never that and you can never always prove it so what else you got Oh, uh, I don't know. That's kind of it. I had a lot of notes, but believe it or not, we sort of covered it as we talked. And so most of my stuff is crossed off right now. The only yeah, other I thing, mean, I don't know, we, we touched on it, but it's, so let's put ourselves in the situation of you are on the X. You scouted the field. You're on, well, actually, no, we didn't, we didn't cover that. But I'm going to start by saying you're on the X. You're whether it's a pond, slough, field, uh, no, let's not talk about field because I want to go back to that. But you're on a good spot. I mean, does it, does it, let's just say being on the X, does it change your mentality? Does it change your calling? I know oh, we yeah. touched on it, but maybe touch on it again a little bit. For I sure, mean, Will, because you're going to assume those ducks are coming in and you're, I would say like your, your aggress- aggressiveness, your aggression level is going to be dialed back considerably because you just don't need you don't need to get that first you don't need to get that first snap in there to get them to to, to mm-hmm. cup or to commit or break or whatever you want to call it because like, they're already doing that and that's mm-hmm. typically where the majority of your like aggressive calling is going to come from is getting them to make that first first decision mm-hmm. so i would say that's it would be less from there it's just it's just it's just based on I mean, it's just based on what the ducks are doing. Like, you know, if we're on the X and I look out and there's, you know, and there's 50 mallards, you know, with their, their wings locked together and their feet stuck straight out. And, the, you know, the only thing I could possibly think by picking up a duck call would do would be able to screw them up because they're already coming so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just not even going to pick up the call or do anything. Just grab my gun and, and you know, and get ready to give them three. But... Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so I mean, it's just based on what the ducks doing because you know I always try to try to think that you know I'm always on the X or, or yeah. I would like to think so. So I mean, so based on it's just what the what the. Exactly, so like I'm never on the X. Is the, <laughs> well, I'm like, saying I, I, I want to make I want to make myself think that I'm always on the X. Like I mean, no. to, to me the the X is like 
the one hundred percent place they're going. Like you know, like I say I've never pulled up in our our hole and and, and flush ducks out. So yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's so I mean we're relying one hundred percent on on traffic and, and the migration. Yeah. So so it's I mean know, it's you're going to call differently in that situation than if you yeah. had went in there and kicked out five thousand and they were coming yeah. back thirty minutes no. later. I mean that's different. Like, there's different when we're in Canada and we, you know, we find a field of 20,000 birds and we go set up right on the X. Like, you know, yeah. more than likely all we're, all we're doing by calling is, is, you know, uh, just doing it cause it's a formality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, yeah, like, you know, there's a little bit, I mean, a duck call, as much as I like to rag on field hunting and that, like a duck call will, will turn them. I mean, they're coming. The mojo does the breakdown work and all that. But that duck call is gonna gonna spin around a little bit and back. And it's in the field, do you think so? Yeah, I remember. I mean, when I did it a lot, like it finished them. It turns them. Um, it, it, like they'll spin. They'll spin to a duck call, just like yeah, like in over water. More so um, than anything, and it turns in the field. them when you want them to, and it and it centers them nice. It, it does center say, them. Back. Like usually in my field hunting with duck calling, I essentially don't do it except for that call is in my hand and mouth the whole time because I mm-hmm. use it right at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. It I mean, it, it centers on the places. And to me, that's the, the yep. number one, you, you know, if you're aware they're going to come anyways, like basically what you're doing is, is, is your position. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's the definite difference in terms of hunting a spot they want to be versus just, birds are traveling by and that's that's something that you just learn over time and mm-hmm. i mean and it's one of the reasons like i mean i i would rather hunt i would personally rather hunt a spot i mean i well i do this a lot like if i can hunt a spot where there aren't ducks but i know i'm going to have a good flight line over me mm-hmm. i will do that rather yeah. than go and hunt where the ducks are and let that be like my little gold well that I just keep untapped. And that's where all the birds come from. Mm-hmm. And I just take those birds and pluck them off a few at a time. And I might not have a, a 20 minute banger, but mm-hmm. over two hours, we're going to pick off our birds. And we kind of had fun because we broke them down and we convinced them to come into a spot where they weren't planning to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I can say that I'd rather, I would choose to, on a spot that did not have a big wad of birds sitting in it, but had birds flying over it. Yeah. And that, I remember when I was out in South Dakota with you, like, you know, we typically hunted, I mean, we hunted the same spot, like all four yeah. days. And like, and the third day I could tell you were getting antsy. You were ready to move. <laughs> then yeah. we couldn't, then we scouted, we couldn't really find anything. And then like the fourth day, you're like, I'm man, we can, I'm like, Phil, I was like, let's go back where we were. We've had success. There's good traffic. And like, I'm like, should I have the same? Well, one day, that third day, we didn't have the traffic. That's what I was antsy about. But then, all the, out of the blue, there they were again. Yeah. So like, yeah. But but we didn't have the. I, I guess what it was. I guess we didn't have the, the the day we didn't have the great traffic. We didn't have great weather either. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So I think. Yeah, that's all. And you know, one when of you those only things need, that you just learn over time. And when you only need 10, is, 10 mallards, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to see 50,000 ducks. No. I mean, Jesus, yeah. there was days at the end of this past season where we'd go and shoot our 10 or 15 greenheads with maybe seeing 30 ducks. 
Yeah. And we were killing them out of that, which was kind of fun. I mean, mm-hmm. like, it's a little dirt. Like, you're like, oh, God, are we going to go back to the same spot? We only saw 30. Well, let's try it again. And you see 35 the next day and you shoot them. And then the next day, you only saw 20, but you shot them. So it's kind of fun, but I mean, it's different. Yeah. I don't, well, I yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's fun to work for. I mean, like, when you, when you, it, there's a difference between like going out and piling up a bunch of ducks that, you know you're going to shoot versus mm-hmm. going out shooting a bunch of ducks that you brought into a spot. Like it's it's just like a little it's a finer point to be. Well, I think uh, although versus you could say it's different. Like someone going out and pulling fishing with a bobber for trout in the river versus throwing a fly rod. You know, it's like a little the art part of it is what you're you're going after there. The experience part. I think Aldo Leopold said in his book, um, "Stealing a Hunt." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and that in the whole outdoor sport as a whole, that's one of the most rewarding things is stealing a hunt. Yeah, yeah. when you when I you can, made it happen, can, when you didn't can, think you were gonna. Right. You know, I can tell you right now. I mean, you know, I've been fortunate to hunt a lot of you know, the top clubs and the flyway, and, and you know, and there's. You know, there's times I've went out with five or six guys and we've been done in 20 minutes because, you know, you know, we were on a duck shoot, but I have not enjoyed that hunt as much as I have, you know, being on the river and, and you know, and having four or five guys and, and, and getting two good groups of migrators in, you know, yeah, and, we, and we're killing less ducks because to me, I mean, that's my, you know, w- what floats my boat these days is, is um is the process being able to blow your duck call yeah is is the whole the working on now you know i mean it's one of the deals i mean we've gone in these holes and 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 shoot i mean most of them i mean you those are the the holes you know you can leave your duck calls and and everything at the house i mean you're gonna shoot them no matter what yeah they're coming i mean that's just not my i mean and that's nothing wrong with that i mean it's just not i mean i prefer the i prefer the hunt and the traffic and i guess because that's what i've done my whole life mm-hmm. no it just sets it just feels like you just kind of set yourself apart a little bit yeah I mean, just getting the blow of duck call is fun that's i mean there's reasons why i spent hundreds of hours when i was younger doing it all the time and you know now you get to yeah. put it in practice and there you go so my dad always well, says i, I think we've gone uh long enough that unless you guys got anything else you want to add i don't think we need to do any um of our little weekly specials this week we're pushing two hours now so yeah i know people don't like them getting too long (laughs) oh i was was gonna say all i was gonna say is my dad always says i hope you're good at killing those ducks because you used to wear my ass out blowing that duck hole around the house And I did. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I remember as a teenager. I mean, I I blew on that thing all the time. Can't come, yeah, I think there's a lot of kids' parents that I would be <laughs> friends with that would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so. No. Cool guys. Well, let's wrap her up, and we will um, head her next week. You bet. Yep. All right. Enjoy Thanks everybody guys. for listening. See ya. Catch you later. Yep.